This is KMKR 99.9 FM, Tucson, Arizona. Is this on? Is anybody listening? Is anybody there? Is there something stuck between my teeth that I think to comb my hair? How come there's crickets in this place outside where they belong? I can't believe this silence like the dark before the dawn. What I'd give for any sign of life, I'd settle for a yawn. Really makes me wonder. Is this on? Good morning, Phil. Good evening, whenever it you is, listen to this. Hello. It is on, Dave. We are, we are rolling and flying and back live on a absolutely gorgeous uh, Tucson morning. We, we generally share, Dave, that we record this uh, show during these pandemic conditions. Uh, uh, live in an undisclosed, an undisclosed uh, location. Tucson location. That's can we right. say that it's in Tucson? I think we can say. Uh, that. All right. Thank you, Dave. Dave, uh, let's take a look at what is uh, going to be on today's show. We've got a really great lineup for you. A couple of special guests. Uh, actually, Dave is on his way assisting uh, one of those guests uh, coming our way. He's an old friend of the show. Visiting us uh, a little bit later on is going to be America's legendary, iconic actor, Al Pacino. Uh, Mr. Pacino is here because, as you know, we tend to look at uh, the major award shows, and we are in award show season. Uh, the Oscars will be coming up. Uh, the Emmys will be coming up. But... Usually the show that kicks it off is the Golden Globes, which debuted uh, for 2021 earlier this week. Uh, Dave and I, uh, so you don't have to, watch the show and we've got some comments. Uh, uh, some, as you might expect, great hosting from uh, Tina Fey uh, and Amy Poehler. And uh, they always uh, do a great job, I believe, They've done the Golden Globes before, as well as other award shows. And you may have read, if you didn't watch the show directly, that there was a small uh, incident, let's call it, maybe a little bit scandalous, and that was uh, because it was mostly virtual. The presenters and the uh, award winners, as well as uh, nominees, were on camera from various locations like their home. And uh, during one part, when they were uh, looking for uh, the award uh, for Best uh, Dramatic uh, Made for Television series, I believe was the award, and nominated was our good friend, the great Al Pacino, for Hunter. And uh, as they showed him on the TV monitor waiting for the award to be presented, which he did not win in this case, but nominated, of course, uh, well-deserved, he appeared to be sleeping. Uh, Mr. Pacino wanted to come by today and uh, straighten that out for us. Uh, I think he's got a little different version of what happened and always a delight to visit with Al and Dave is uh, attending to him right now, helping him uh, get here to our location. Dave will rejoin us in a minute. Also, we're going to look at a very interesting new documentary uh, released also uh, in uh, February. And this is Killing is Easy. This is story of Patrice O'Neill, the uh, great comedian, Patrice O'Neill, Killing is Easy. Well, last week we were talking about uh, just checking around and seeing what is going on in the world of open mic comedy in Tucson because some shops are up and running. So let's go through the week of what we know right now. And, of course, use your own judgment uh, on when it is right for you to appear uh, at an indoor comedy club. I don't believe there are any outdoor shows here in Tucson. Uh, So the week begins. Check with the people who run the show to see what the precautions are. We understand that some places uh, ask comics to bring their own mic. Other places uh, put a plastic bag on the mic. Some sanitize the mic right before you go on. Various rules regarding uh, masks, especially now that uh, that's been lifted here in Tucson. I don't know what the individual uh, rules are at the establishments where you're going. Check with these folks and we'll tell you 
who to do it. Facebook gives you some information. So on Sundays, there's a new show, Catalina Craft Pizza, up on 15930 North Oracle Road. So way up there, up uh, in that El Conquistador, El Conquistador uh, Resort area. The event is run by uh, Kenny Scheid and Tucson Comedy Fans. Uh, the show begins at 8 uh, at eight p.m. And uh, the list goes out at, excuse me, hold on, back up. The show goes from 6 until 8 p.m. And the list goes out at 5.30. There is no cover. There are drink specials. Also on Sundays, imagine that, competing open mics on a Sunday in Tucson. Our good friend Ali Musa is running the County Line Lounge and Grill Open Mic. And who loves a good laugh? If you do, join them at 7 p.m. on Sundays. It's hosted by Ali Musa. And you sign up with Ali uh, via Facebook message is uh, one way he suggests. And uh, he looks forward to seeing you out there. It is also a free show. Mondays, we like to mention our good friend Roxy Moreri, who really does the classic open mic show here in Tucson. Really one of the best. Roxy runs it great. It's a quality show. Comedy at the Wench, at the Surly Wench. And that is um, uh, a great show at... uh, Monday nights at The Wench, currently not live. That is done, I believe, bi-weekly, online with Roxy. Check out surlywenchcomedy.com for sign-up information. I believe you sign up online, opening the Thursday before the Monday show. Tuesdays, The Music Box with our good friends Dominic Detola and Riley Reynolds. I think uh, Tony Brune is a part of the organization of that group. That's at the Music Box, uh, way west on uh, 22nd Street. That show is Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Also a free show. Not sure on sign-up. I would imagine probably about a half hour before. Check with uh, Riley Reynolds or Dominic Detola. And another competing Tuesday night open mic. Off the Deep End Comedy presents House of Bards Open Mic. That's at the House of Bards, 4915 East Speedway. That's an early show, 7 p.m. Sign-ups at 6.45. They've got uh, drink and food specials. That's a free show. And now a Friday night open mic at the Kava Bar. This is a coffee bar, I believe. And this is an early show, so Friday night finish work, head right over to Kava Bar. The show is run by Connor Hanna, so you can check uh, with Connor Hanna's Facebook page or look up the Kava Bar. show is at 6 p.m. on Fridays, sign-ups at 5.30. And that's a look at Open Mics, currently in Tucson. What's happening? This is David Ross. I got a great podcast. You're doing a great job podcast. Uh, uh, is this is this on? That's what we call it. Uh, let me say this, Dave. I've been just kind of uh, on edge in an excited way uh, all, all morning because really? <laughs> we have a special guest. We do. Uh, here with us today. A couple of guests, actually. Oh. And I want to say, I want to thank our listeners for this one. Uh-huh. Because, unbeknownst to us, Dave, uh, Craycroft Industries came to us and said, uh, you know, we love the spots that you guys do uh, for us, either to sell well, that's nice to hear. Craycroft products, you know, the fine stationers, you know, of course, uh, uh, of course, their flagship business, the Craycroft Tattoo Removal. Uh, tattoo Removal, that's right, yeah. And then, of course, there's uh, <clears throat> Craycroft Charities. And they uh, started uh, a new venture, Dave, in the patio furniture uh, and rest uh, homes. Rest home and patio furniture is going very big now. And they said, you know, we have a special spokesperson. We want to move in for that. Mm-hmm. And we didn't say anything about it. In fact, they weren't ready to uh, bring it on the Wednesday night show. They said, uh, why don't we debut it on the Facebook page uh-huh. first? 
get some reaction from listeners. And you know what, Dave? We got a lot of reaction from listeners. Oh, we did. Listeners. Uh -huh. And the first thing was, who is that voice? <laughs> Everybody recognized the voice, and our savvy ITO listeners noticed that we had a, a guest spokesperson and uh, <clears throat> started guessing as to who it was, and several people got it right, Dave. It turns out it is legendary NBC Tonight Show announcer, Art Fern. Ah, yes. Okay, yes. Well, should be told, to Dave, you and I know that Art Fern is retired, lives in a Saddlebrook community. That's right. Mm -hmm. We've been talking to him mm -hmm. uh, just because we're fans and, and you know, uh, we love to meet uh, celebrities in our area. Mm -hmm. And we've been trying to coax him out of retirement for a couple of projects, and here... Craycroft said this is the perfect one to bring him in on. We've got a couple of other things that we may be working with him uh, on. And Dave, it is my pleasure, it is our pleasure. We got him? Got him. <laughs> He's walking up here right yeah. now. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Hello. You welcome the legendary longtime host yeah. of NBC's Tea Time Movie. Welcome, Art Fern. Yeah. Hello, Art. Thank you, Phil, and hello, Dave. Yes. Uh, I can't stay long. I'm on my way to the movies. I'll have you know. I'm gonna go be. I'm gonna go see Julia Roberts, Robin Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, and Jaime the Hip Hop Havelina. And that was no cactus. That was my wife. Let me get next. Gotta go be. I'll be I, taking in the movie today, Phil. <laughs> You've still got it, Art. Uh, well, my gosh, it's been so long. Uh, although we we see, of course, you on the reruns. What what have you been up to? Mm, well, once Johnny retired, we kept going with the Tea Time movies, Phil. Where? Where uh, did you do this? Carol Wayne. Yes. Oh, the Tea Time matinee lady. Yes, Carol Wayne and I, you know, actually, I took Carol Wayne to the drive-in the other night where we saw O.J. Simpson, Jessica Simpson, Homer Simpson, and Daryl the Depressed Dingo. <laughs> and if it's Tuesday, this must be Wilcox. But anyway, <laughs> we would visit nursing homes. Carol Wayne. No. And I would visit nursing homes across the country and show movies, great films from the good old days like King Arthur Hurts Himself on a Chastity Belt <laughs> with Mama Cass, Father Hines, Brother Theodore, Sister George, and Splotch the Wonder Seagull. You remember that one, Phil? I do. I, I, think, yeah. I, I think you read the book. I do. And yeah. I, I, I certainly also remember uh, Carol Wayne quite well. Yeah, she oh, was oh. outstanding yeah, in, absolutely. In, in, in a couple of major yeah, ways. She wasn't the only thing standing. No. <laughs> Are you still still working with, with the man uh, lady? Oh, indeed. At least until last week's mishap at a show at Green Valley Hills mm, oh, no. Retirement Center. What happened? Well, Phil, we were doing group aerobics oh, with the song aerobics. YMCA by the Village People. No. Carol's halter top string got caught up in a ceiling oh, fan, and oh. soon she was toplessly spinning out of control. <laughs> that had to be It was wild and weird. What, did that end the show? Uh, uh, for the most part, it caused a whole commotion when two seniors in the astronomy lab reported spawning two new planets. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, one thing that's not stopping because of the pandemic is the award season. That's right. And yeah. we're totally involved in it. Usually the Golden Globes, I think, is the uh, event that kicks it off. And we mm -hmm. had the Golden Globes last week and certainly many comedy connections, not only the awards, of course, but the hosts. Mm -hmm. uh, the great uh, SNL pair of uh, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, I think they've hosted a couple times now. Yes, yep. Mm -hmm. And yep. they always do a fun, fun job. They're, they're always up for it. They, they certainly made uh, fun of themselves and of the format and all of the uh, uh, online uh, Now, I, I didn't see much of it, mostly because I'm an old man and I tune in and say, I don't know who that is. Who's that? Is he famous? But I understand it was uh, very low rated, though. I think it's the lowest rated uh, Gold Globes yet. I guess that has to do with the fact that uh, you know, it's not... It's not the same glamour and glitz as it used to be. It's it's a Zoom show, and also because, like like you mentioned, uh, they have to include uh, non-released, uh, not theatrically released stuff because that's all there is anymore. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. And of course, the Golden Globes uh, it, it looks at more than just film. Right. It looks at uh, broadcast, and it looks at. Uh, there's no distinction there as to release. Uh, you know, even direct to, you know, video or uh, to Netflix or something. And uh, it may have been low rated, uh, but that might be the nature of Zoom type shows these days. And maybe award shows in general. I think today. award shows in general are that way. I think even, you know, the Oscars always get the rap of being too long and kind of ill-advised. But also, I think a lot of it, too, is that, you know, it used to be those award shows, those were the only places you would see 
celebrities uh, outside of the performing, uh, and now the, you know everybody's on TV, they're on the internet, they're everywhere. Right, right. So it's, it's so not the funny. Same uh, that it was, it once was. When you say that, I always think of uh, you know my memory, Dave, uh, is not what it used to be. The, the brilliant actor, I believe he's a three-time Academy Award winner, played Lincoln. Uh, in the most recent uh, Academy Award. Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis. I can, for some reason, never think of his name. Well, there's, three, I, there's three of them to remember. It's yeah, not easy, Phil. That's hard. Don't be it's hard, hard. Yourself. There's three of them. And he's a genius, a brilliant actor. Uh, I've loved every... Uh, he is married to the daughter of Arthur Miller. Not playwright Arthur Miller. Interesting. And one of the things I remember... Uh, watching him accept the award for Lincoln and I remember thinking to myself oh, I really want to see that because I don't know what he looks like in, re in real life because he's always so different yeah so that's one that's thing how I used to be awards. when De Niro was first breaking in I remember thinking I don't really know what he looks like I just right you were expecting uh, like a, a hailing him yeah. like a cab driver right right <laughs> So Although it does make me think in a strange way, just to go back a little bit, if things had been a little different uh, today, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's mother-in-law would be Marilyn Monroe. Wow, that's right, yeah. because of the uh, Miller connection. <laughs> very, very good there. An alternate universe. That's, yes, absolutely. He's walking around with mom with her, watching her dress blow up on the sidewalk <laughs> and saying, Mom, you're 90 now. Yeah, Maybe what not. an iconic <laughs> scene of walking over the uh, grid in the sidewalk, the uh, skirt blowing up. Many... Uh, great Marilyn Monroe moments and photos. And there were some great uh, Golden Globes moments, Dave. Uh, I will say uh, one film I wanted to mention that uh, did win an award. I, I, might have, I, I don't know if it was considered a comedy or not, but it's, it's certainly a dark comedy at the very least. Uh, and that is the uh, actress Rosamond Pike. Mm -hmm. yep. And... Uh, the name of the film is escaping me at the moment. It's a very simple name, like, I can't do this or something like that. I'm so sorry not to have this in front of me. I know we had to make who you're some, talking uh, about, and I, I, I know that she's in a movie, and I don't remember it either. Yes. Anyway, it is a uh, unique, it's a very uh, spoiler alert kind of film if you talk too much about it. So I'm not going to. It's... Uh, I can't do this or something like that. Anyway, Rosamund Pike, it was released directly to Netflix, and it is an experience. And now I there's one here that's I Care A Lot. I Care A Lot, that's it. Crime thriller with uh, Peter Dinklage is in that one. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And uh, they list it as a crime thriller. I'm going to also say it's a pretty dark comedy mm -hmm. as well. And uh, totally enjoyable. Totally escapist. If you're looking for uh, 90 minutes of escapism, I would uh, I gotta check, check out, out I Care A Lot. Is that on Netflix? Uh, it is uh, on Netflix. And Rosamund Pike, very interesting actress, and she took the award. And one of the uh, uh, miniseries, Dave, um, we had a dear friend of ITO uh, nominated, and that, of course, is the great Al Pacino, and that caused a little bit of uh, controversy. I would love it and, if you could stop by. Uh, you know, we called, and uh, Al said he would be, be coming by. He, he needed some bread, and he would be coming by. But, but tell us a little bit about the, the controversy. Controversy? During the Golden Globes with Al Pacino. Uh, that he was sleeping? That was no. the uh, contention. <laughs> now, we'll have to ask Al if he was. I didn't think that was a controversy. I sleeping. thought that was a good choice, actually. I, uh, I think it was an appropriate response. <laughs> uh, it, oh, Dave, look, the limo is pulling up. Okay. Oh, and coming Mr. In right Pacino. Now. Oh, Dave. Mr. Pacino, have a seat oh. here. Oh. oh, I hope they have the pretzel bread, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to run in. I'm going to send my assistant in uh, to get the pretzel they've bread. They've got bread. They've got, they've got beyond bread here, Phil. Uh, uh, it's now. good to see you guys. <laughs> good to be here. It's my first appearance, uh, Dave, since the uh, Gold Globes. Oh. Okay, yeah. I thought you'd and forgotten I, uh, your other appearances with us. You have been with us before. I many know. times, Dave. Yeah. I remember uh, <coughs> you're the guys that I did my baked ziti Yes, recipe. you did your ziti you recipe. Came, you were in my New York apartment, uh, and I had that those punks. Yes, you got into a little they uh, were disagreement. walking the dog on my lawn, Dave. And no can do and, on that. <laughs> no can do. And you yelled out, what are you doing? And they said, I'm walking here. That's right. Yeah. Right. Right. No, wait, that's Hoffman, sorry. Well, I'm going to, before I run in, I wanted to, uh, if I could have a minute, Dave, 
this is Golden Globes. For a, for a nap? Well, you know, I, I, I had just shut my eyes, Dave, for just a second. Resting your eyes. You know, I was practicing, because who knows when they go to you. I was uh, The first off, this was not live. This was a Zoom thing. So I'm sitting in my easy chair. I'm very comfortable, Dave. Things are going to happen. You know, uh, you'll often find me, uh, as you, you know, remember from the ZD uh, recipe preparation, I often sit in my robe, Dave, so I had gotten very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I was going over in my head, I thought, you know, uh, maybe it'll come to me, you know, and sometimes I get a little over-rehearsed, and maybe I get a little bit tired. So I was thinking to myself, if they come to me, you know, they're going to want, they're going to want one of those iconic, you know, Al Pacino Al Pacino moment. So I was uh, sitting in the easy chair, and I was uh, practicing, you know, when they come to me, uh, this uh, Tina Fey and... uh, Amy Poehler, delightful young girls, Dave. And I thought to myself, I'll practice. You know, so I'm sitting there and I'm just, I'm sitting in the chair, waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm going like, uh, you're out of order. You're out of order. This whole trial is out of order. (laughs) Mr. Pacino, Mr. Pacino. Al, Al. Uh, you, you dozed off. If you got jaws meat, you got jaw medicine. A drug brought it. Ow! You kind of. Oh. I think you dozed off on us there. I think you. Well, it takes. It takes a lot of energy to do that, Dave. I was late. You're a method so, actor. So late, I'm in New York. Yeah. It had to be a time. Like, time difference. Like sure. Three in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I was resting. Yeah. I was resting, resting your eyes. Yeah. Got that. All right. But maybe you were reliving your role in uh, Scent of a Woman there, where you were unable to see. Tango in, tango out, Dave. (laughs) All right. You know what I'm going to do? Just uh, come back. I'll join you guys uh, so I don't fall asleep. You'll stick around here and uh, chime in? I'll chime in. Coffee would be a good idea. You go. You and Phil, you go. Coffee would be a good idea. Yes. (laughs) Attica! Yes, of course. All right, there. Dave, uh, here we are in March. You know, Rosamund Pike, I've never, uh, it doesn't doesn't appeal to me. You know, good actress. There are some people like that. that, That's like, there's nothing wrong that just doesn't hit me, you know. Uh Uh-huh. She's sort of a cult taste, right? I mean, there are people that just like, you know, I'm sure we couldn't wait. I mean, I don't dislike her. I don't mind the movie that she's in, but she just doesn't really. She was in Gone Girl. Have you ever seen Gone Girl? Loved Gone Girl. More serious role, of course. Right, right. Uh, and she in, played an American. I like when Brits play American. Yeah, yeah. They should talk that way all the time. She's a uh, very interesting performance in this film, though. Uh, you certainly... It, it, uh, let me put it this way. It's one of those films, I dare anybody to, like, start it and walk away from it. Really? It's like, you can't walk away okay. from it. It's, it's the train wreck, you know, the car wreck. You can't look uh, at it, you can't look at it. Oh, you're not saying it. it's so good you can't stop it, so it's, it draws am, you in. I am also saying it that. It is good, okay. Uh, five stars for me. Okay, all right. And very good, and again, I, I don't want to do a spoiler on it, because it's just... Okay. E- 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 we spoil it to okay. know too much going in. So right. take this one without too much, uh, <clears throat> too many grains of salt, okay. Dave, on uh, this one. But Peter well, Dinklage is in it, so... Uh, yeah. The one-on-one basketball scene is one you'll want to check out. Absolutely. Dave, we were talking about uh, open mics, and we were talking a little bit about uh, uh, material to do at an open mic. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, we're, we're in these kind of woke times, and the uh, controversy is brewing again now over political correctness. And uh, uh, Dr. Seuss... Dr. Seuss, of all people, that's right, yeah. What, uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, Dr. Seuss is people, well, there's been a big uh, uproar from people who are, you know, uh, decrying cancel culture and saying, oh, this guy, can you imagine this, Dr. Seuss is canceled. Now, well, that's not really the case. Seth Meyers actually did a good bit on this the other night, saying, like, that's not the case. The case is that the estate... Uh, representing the author who's no longer with us, decided to pull six books from publication. And they weren't forced to do it. They weren't. Nobody was picketing. They just thought that the images and, and some of the some of the phrasing is uh, is out of out of t- step with the times, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, did you have you had an example where? where you're uh, well, about? yeah. Well, I, I talked to my son last night. Because Dave, if I could just uh, just. Before you say it, so we don't have to bleep you with it. It doesn't rhyme with trigger, does it? It does not, no. no, Good. no. <laughs> um, I started my son last night because he was a big fan of the, of, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Dr. Seuss book, McGilligan's Pool. Mm-hmm. And McGilligan's Pool is a great, great uh, 
book. Uh, it's about a little boy who's fishing in a tiny little fishing hole and is being ostracized and criticized by his friends because they say, you'll never catch anything. And that, and then he, you know, in his mind realizes that, you know, there are many ways fish can get to that hole through contraptions leading from the sea and things like that. It's very creative and very encouraging, optimistic, hopeful, uh, as Dr. Seuss often uh, kind of, uh, instructs, has to do with uh, uh, determination, keep trying, and you know, all that stuff, a good, good message. <clears throat> but it, is, it was pulled, and the main reason it was pulled is that there was a reference to, uh, use, use the word Eskimo, mm -hmm. which is not uh, considered... Uh, uh, appropriate anymore uh i don't I, I, mean, I don't have a problem with it I, I just think that well we call people eskimos then there was no really other word for them then i don't think people were using inuit or anything there uh so it was, what, it was, what dave is considered the appropriate term these days <clears throat> i think uh I, I don't know i think it may have to do with uh eskimo was used as a blanket name for everybody of that area could they, i see so they could they, call, call them by their tribal name uh, more maybe, maybe inuit is what they use I maybe see. it's uh, uh native canadian i don't know i i but uh and so i said to myself, you know the fate dave of the uh the wonderful product the eskimo pie Oh, it's gone. It's got to be gone. Yeah, that's got to go. I'll have to look uh, next time. Actually, I was wondering about this because uh, uh, Mr. Pacino, he's over there arguing with the barista about his coffee mm -hmm. over there, uh, is that he mentioned, he goes, oh, Amy Poehler and, and Tina Fey, other very funny, uh, talented young women. I said, actually, actually said girls. And now girls is not an appropriate term for women now. They're not children. We don't belittle them. We don't, we should not use girls to talk about yeah. women. That being said, what do we do with the million songs that refer to women as girls? I mean, you've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account only Rosie several... O'Donnell. No, it wasn't. Uh, rather controversial, and I think uh, clearly. Uh, you know, there's been uh, investigations into it and, 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 and charges uh, back and forth uh, as well. And so, clearly, he was kind of canceled in a way in terms of his own behavior, but certainly his work is not altered, as you say, the, the, the songs have those terms in it. His performances uh, still are played. I mean, he's a regular, I mean, that's one of the most popular well, I, uh, Vegas it, shows, right? Actually, in Seth uh, Meyers' uh, bit the other night, he mentioned that uh, Dr. Seuss, according to uh, his information, was uh, made more money than any dead person last year, uh, second only to Michael Jackson. I was kind of surprised mm -hmm. Elvis wasn't in there. Oh, yeah, uh, Elvis would Maryland be another, Real yeah. estate or something like mm -hmm. that. But um, so Michael Jackson hasn't in any way been... Canceled. You can hear him every minute of the day, and I always wonder why he's, you know, he's dead, but he's working. And uh, Louis C.K. is, uh, you know, playing the Tucson Music Hall. <laughs> no offense, the Tucson Music Hall, but the guy. Well, yeah, and we've talked about the Louis C.K. Uh, issue as well. And then <coughs> why it affects. I'm not some, saying Louis C.K. should not others. punish it the way he's, he's being punished. I, it just bugs me about Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to say, David. Seems. It seems very random in how the cancel culture is invoked, who it's invoked on. It's uh, for example, uh, let's take uh, current events. Uh, Tiger Woods mm -hmm. had the car accident. Uh, you know, we don't know the extent uh, going forward of his injuries, how it will affect him uh, in life in general, and, and then subset in, in his golfing life in general. Mm -hmm. But here was a guy, of course who had the, the controversy, which we all learned about after his wife, you know, attacked his car with a golf club uh, when he was obviously uh, involved uh, in an in extramarital <coughs> activity. Taking a few extra strokes. And you couldn't have been, sorry about that, couldn't have been uh, kind of lower in the polls than Tiger Woods was there for a while. But I think he's kind of uh, reclaimed his status. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Been kind of seen more as a, uh, a responsible father to his children. Uh, 
always been involved in charitable activities, but has kind of come back into favor to the point where when this accident occurred, you know, all of America was waiting for yeah. the results, and it seemed like everybody was cheering him on. Yeah. So there's no, there's no. Well, I think in Tiger's case, the Tiger, Tiger wasn't, you know, canceled per se. Uh, and obviously, he met with a lot of criticism, but he didn't do anything that was like a, a offensive to people, other than his wife. Obviously, he's cheating on his wife, but it wasn't that he had participated in any behavior that that calls for cancellation. He just was, you know. I think there's a lot of feeling of that he was somewhat of a hypocrite for always portraying himself as a very upright standing guy when he was, you know, having his fill of, of strippers and, and extramarital girlfriends, but he didn't have, a, didn't commit a crime of using a racist term. Or, right. Uh, and, and wrapped in it, Dave, is such a, an enigma of the fact that I remember so well, but I'm a, I'm a big golf fan, but I remember Tiger Woods even as like a... Ten-year-old child, yeah, you know, hosting exhibitions, winning amateur tournaments, this incredible figure, and then he he goes along, and of course he's a very intelligent guy as well, a Stanford uh, degree and, and, and starred as a golf uh, athlete at, at Stanford. But uh, my point being that he he broke so many barriers in the golf world, right? Remember when he won. The Masters for the first time, there were no black members, and uh, um, my gosh, the memory is completely gone. Uh, at at uh, Georgia, Augusta, Augusta. Thank you very much. So he's on one hand like broken barriers, and then like he's created new barriers. But currently, America loves him. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I think that you know, in his, in his case, he got caught. Uh, doing something in his personal life that was uh, offensive. It was a great, colorful scene with his wife beating the heck out of his car with a golf club, and the obvious. Right. And then it seemed like every week another thing came out. Oh, this this woman, yeah. this woman, this woman, this woman. But uh, he he uh, you know, made his amends, you know, straightened up and, and continued winning and all that. I, I think that uh, as far as the selectiveness of. Uh, of who gets canceled, etc. It's like, like a lot of these people, it's like, we've got to stop building people up so much. I mean, Cosby's TV show was great, and his comedy was great, but the media labeled him as America's dad and attributed to him all these great qualities that we have no idea were true or not. I mean, and the same thing has happened with somebody like uh, Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon of... Uh, familiar Buffy the Vampire Slayer and things like that and, and uh, he's been uh, come under a lot of criticism for I don't know a lot of specifics at least being a really bad <clears throat> jerk and a horrible person on the set and in dealing with people and very abusive to them mm -hmm. but but the media's been telling us for years that this is a great creative brilliant woke guy emphasizing how woke he is and now they're coming down on don't build these people up. don't build up Governor Cuomo that he should be our president, that he's the savior, because, you know, there are very few people who I won't believe that they are capable of doing something terrible of famous people. Very few people would surprise me, like, you know, if it came out that Dolly Parton runs a cockfighting ring, that would surprise me. But most people, it's like, eh, I'm not surprised they got turned out to be a, you know, a creep or an animal, because, you know, people are. Don't yeah. build them up. Don't build them up, you know? Yeah, and, and, uh, it remains a mystery, though, as to who, you know, uh, gets the pass and who doesn't. Uh, in Crosby's case, I think there was a bit of resentment because he kind of wrapped himself in that America's Dad posture when he got yeah, caught. Of course, who, which who wouldn't? Yes, but to 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 compare and contrast, uh, Tiger Woods, on the other hand was more more self-reflective was more owned up to his shortcomings right 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 yeah, yeah yeah of course they're in different fields i mean athletes for the most part especially golf more sedate more withdraw you know you don't know a lot about golfers usually they're quiet they do their thing and cosby was a you know internationally known performer and uh you know, but you know, well, these things also, come out like yeah. these things come out with Cosby, and these things come out with uh, uh, certain athletes, where it's like, oh yeah, this, and other people too, like, oh, this was a badly kept secret. This was well known. This guy, well, if these people are known for this, like uh, 
Who's the guy? Um, a little hint. Uh, <laughs> uh, Another star? Uh, yeah, he's an actor, and he's been got, he got a lot of trouble for uh, uh, she, Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Uh -huh. And and so a woman who was with him, uh, you know, was talking about, oh, he's very abusive in the relation. Marilyn Manson too. Very abusive in the relationship. These horrible things to me. And then his earlier wives and girlfriends come out and say, yes, exactly, yes, just like that. It's like, if everybody knows this, why would you? Why would you have dinner with a guy? You know, I mean, I'm not, no. I'm not blaming the victims. I'm of just course. saying that if, I'm more, more blaming the people who are like coming out later and saying like, oh yeah, I knew all about that. Well, say something. Well, you know, <laughs> don't let other women get caught in the trap. But say something. Another comic we've talked about that gets caught in this kind of, you know. Placement issue of it is uh, Aziz Ansari, Aziz Ansari yeah, yeah. right? Who who completely owned up to what he had done or not done, and it was like um, the, the the woman who was complaining about him had owned up that that's what he was doing, but now it bothered her. In other words, yeah. it was sort of a hookup situation, and then she was willing to to be in the hookup, and then afterwards was <laughs> critical of it. Yeah. So. Yeah. He didn't do anything. He didn't. In his case, it was really just seemed like it, just like a bad date, and nothing more than a bad date. But you know, this, we're in the age of victimhood, Phil. That's that's where we are now. And he uh, certainly isn't, uh, I would say, you know, as popular or getting the kind of attention that he once was getting there. Mm -hmm. But he's back performing, yeah. and he's back uh, around. It's interesting. The the. The devastation to one's career can be enormous. Sure. Uh, the power that is wielded by by this. It's its so interesting. Um, and then, of course, you mentioned uh, Governor Cuomo, and we see that. And, of course, you know, just because you acknowledge and state to someone that, you know, you, you consider dating as someone above the age of 22 appropriate doesn't also make that appropriate, you know. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I, you know, guys like and this is I think guys like Cuomo. Uh, you know, you know. I mean, there there definitely is a, a generational thing. You know, I'm not I'm not anyway defending him. I'm just saying you're going to find that more in guys of his age, our age, who grew up in a different time. And you know, I mean, you and I, I make every attempt to adapt to the way things are now, but some people don't, and especially somebody yeah. who has a huge, powerful position, a huge ego, and is known for being brash. Joe Clinton. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not even going to think that they're doing anything wrong. They're just going to think like, well, everybody loves me, so well, why, would mm -hmm. she, why would it bother her if I ask her if she dates older men? Um, and I think it's going to happen until they, you know, until we die out. <laughs> it's... It, it, it's uh going to be a never-ending uh, argument because no two cases are the same and it's it's different uh, moments in time you know uh, but uh, you well, know. it's also it's also the, the, the position that he's in I mean if you if you or I were having lunch with a young woman imagine this for a minute and we're having a nice time we were chatting away and then, you, know, you said it were like uh, well do you have any issue with dating somebody older than you? Uh, she might say, oh, I don't know, maybe. Or she might say no. And you say, well, you know, if it, over 22 is good for me. Uh, you know, you haven't done anything wrong. She might tell your friends, her friends that you're a creep, but you haven't done anything wrong. You're just floating that. But if you're in a position of power like Cuomo or Clinton, uh, it's different because they feel like they have to kind of... Yeah, it's a different, uh, 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 you know, coercive. Defer to you a little bit because of your uh, position. Whereas yeah. you or I did it, we wouldn't get any deference. We would probably right. get a uh, ice tea uh -huh. over our head. Uh huh. You know? And whereas, you know, and I'm just stating my own opinion here, Dave. Uh, I would not attribute that, for example, to Aziz Ansari. I don't see that as oh, no. coercion no. because he was a popular comic. No. I, I, I make a big distinction there. Yeah. Well, she may have been. Uh, in awe of him or a fan, but he didn't have he didn't have a position of power over her. Right. She was a fan, you know. She yes. didn't work in his office. She didn't work in that business. Or yeah. Like so I think there's distinctions to be made. There are no hard and fast rules. I think every case uh, needs to be heard, and, and and certainly Dave, for the record, because people get so sensitive about these discussions, and you know, sort of way. But clearly, we are saying, you know, every person who feels they've been abused needs to be heard. There needs to be yeah. a serious 
investigation or, or look into it. Uh, but there are nuances, and as you say, across time, uh, things are, are hard to translate. You know, because what was a very appropriate, you know, sort of comment in a 1970s sitcom would clearly be interpreted as a oh. uh, harassment uh, sort of comment oh, today. God, yeah. And then how do you, <laughs> but then, you know, you should be able to watch or read or yeah. look at well, something I, from another decade and, and, and I think like that, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I think that's the difference there. And I, I, just to finish up, when I was talking to my son and I, I, I go to him, I go, look, yeah, I read that book to you. We're not racist. And he goes, he says to me, he says, yeah, but he says, he says you're okay with casual racism. And I thought, I wonder what that means and is that true? <laughs> And how much of that is uh, insensitivity on my part, and how much of it is uh, obliviousness? Because I grew up that way. Yeah. I'm not sure what he means by that, but well, I but I do know this that I have done jokes, uh, and they only they that, that reference race, but are not in any way. You know, actually, they're kind of like the whole blazing saddle situation. You know, anti-racist jokes, but as soon as I bring up the subject of race. I get a lot of people leaning back in their seat and folding their arms because they don't want to hear about yeah. it. Um, well, Dave, uh, just in the interest of time, I want to segue us into another topic that is related because clearly, if we just had a transcript of the material of Patrice O'Neill, mm. some of it would be very controversial. Some of it might be considered what you just were talking mm -hmm. about. That's oh, what absolutely. triggered me to think of it. Mm -hmm. He's making jokes about racism but isn't necessarily politically correct in how he's doing it. Well, for, for those of uh, you that uh, might not even be familiar, we're talking about the late comic uh, Patrice O'Neill. Uh -huh. and, and for those that are really are not familiar, he, this is a male comic with the name Patrice. It's not Patricia O'Neill. That yeah. was different, yeah. Patrice O'Neill, a very large man, a uh -huh. uh, black man. My frequent flying friends, yes, it's Art Fern for Craycroft Airlines, where our slogan is Craycroft Airlines will get you right there. Are you a white supremacist skinhead who claims you misunderstood the phrase breaking into politics? Not to worry. We'll fly you out of D.C. to the mm, trailer park of your choice. And while flying, be sure to enjoy our in-flight movie starring Kristen Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, Stewart Little, and Toothpick the Anorexic Chimp in... Thelma and Louise change their pronouns. That's right, Craycroft Airlines, where our slogan is, fly in the friendly skies, but don't be too friendly or you'll be canceled before you can mm, claim your baggage. Are you an embittered ex-president beset by legal woes? Not to worry. We've got low-priced fares to countries without extradition treaties. Craycroft Airlines, where our international travelers are invited to join the mm, Kilometer High Club. And while traveling, they'll enjoy one of our fantastic in-flight movies like this one starring Bradley Cooper, Gary Cooper, Alice Cooper, and Willie, the white supremacist walrus, and Woody Allen's remake of Little Women. Craycroft Airlines, recommended by 18 of 19 Saudi Arabians. Yes, I went there, folks, and I'm not coming back either. So go on the line and make your reservations today. Unfortunately, flycraycroftairlines.com was taken. So go to our website, fcraycroftairlines.com. Or stop by our local Tucson office at 137 West Wilmont, right next to the street guy holding the cardboard sign that says, if you were homeless, you'd be home now. And whenever you tra travel Craigcroft Airlines, be sure to enjoy one of our hilarious in-flight comedies like this one, starring Jim Carrey, Drew Carey, Cary Grant, and Mindy the Memory Recovering Sheep in Art Regrets His Trip to the Farm. Mmm, I guess bombings, no... Are, are you a Texas senator who needed to get away for the weekend and spent the last month mastering the Macarena? Not to worry. We'll fly you back to the Lone Star State in a hurry where your constituents can greet you with a torchlight parade. That's Craycroft Airlines. When you need to leave in disgrace, fly Craycroft. Uh, really rose quickly in the comic scene. Uh, and the reason we're talking about him is because he was hilarious, and this is a comedy show, but it's because there's a new documentary called Killing is Easy. Killing is Easy. And there's a few things uh, about the documentary that are very interesting. I highly recommend it. It's 
especially if you're not familiar with Patrice O'Neill. If, if you're way not familiar with him, if you don't follow stand-up or didn't watch uh, Tough Crowd, uh, he also had a small role in The Office. He was in the... That's right, in, in the, the, in the factory, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was often in there, yeah. Uh, and uh, was a stand-up and uh, came out of the Boston scene, Dave. Mm. And uh, a lot of his early material was based on the issue of race in Boston, which is, you know, legendary, uh, you know, with school busing and things going back to the 60s. And that's, of course, when he was growing up, maybe a little after that. Uh, But Patrice O'Neill, also a very, very large man. Yes. Uh, So a lot of his jokes were about his size and that, too. And he was very imposing. And he was... um, it's hard to hard to, to, to categorize his comedy. In in his own view of himself, I think he was kind of aspirationally wanting to be more like a Richard Pryor. Uh-huh. I think and make those sort of societal comments. Uh-huh. But he made many, many observational issues about relationships, certainly. And I think within that he would have had some problems in wokeness mm-hmm. in terms of many things he said about women. Uh, I think it was clear that it was his view, and I don't think he was expressing anything other than his view and then jokes about it. But he was rather uh, an ornery guy, uh, which mm-hmm. you learn from this uh, documentary. Mm-hmm. is A lot of comics respected him, didn't necessarily like him that much personally because right. he was not very nice. A prickly personality, I guess you could say. You mentioned Tough Crowd. He had appeared uh, as a regular on Colin Quinn's uh, talk show. I, was that Comedy Central, I think? Yeah. yeah. And one of the things you hear other comics talk about was the fact that they didn't want to be on the show with him after a while because he would monopolize mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. What He kind of would... Oh, I've tried to describe him a little bit. He would, like, do the slow build and get into a huff about something, right? And then he would just get louder and louder, and it was hard to get a word in edgewise. And there were many times when you'd see Colin Quinn try to rein him in a little bit. But apparently that became a problem. And then later in his uh, uh, iterations of shows, because... They tried to work with him often in creating a show, and then he would either piss people off too much, or they would think, this is going to be too controversial, we'll go the other way. Uh But he he went on to to try to do his own stuff, and and, uh, his his final push, he had changed managers, and he did a big... uh, I think it was an HBO special, if I'm not mistaken, Dave, called Elephant in the Room, which is kind of a funny title for uh, Patrice O'Neill, for sure. Because he's so big. And it was hugely successful. Uh And it was sort of the, and it was not that far uh, before he passed away. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of the culmination of his frame, Mm -hmm. of his kind of coming to grips with, you know what, I need to rein it in a little bit. I need to be nicer to people. I need to work with people. I was very influenced by this new manager who got him to think that way. Uh, yeah. And that was really a very, very landmark special, uh, Elephant Room. Put his career uh, back on track. Mm. It, it had really fallen to the point where he was mostly, he was a regular, uh, like on Opie and Anthony, the radio comedy show. Uh-huh. He had done some uh, direct to cable, like YouTube kind of things. He did one, which will give you a little idea of what it was about called Whitey 101. <laughs> so, um, it is uh, it is really interesting. Uh, I recall one piece I wrote down just to, to give people who don't know Patrice so well. He would do a lot of crowd work and he would do it often. He would pick out a good looking white woman in the audience and then he would talk about you can tell how good-looking a white woman is if she goes missing by how long they look for her. <laughs> now, you know, there were a lot of sexism and a lot of racism uh, at the heart of that. Right. But, you know... But it's pointing out the truth. It's and pointing out the truth. Like institutional about. racism kinds yeah. of things. For people who don't get it, I... I, I uh, 
I always think of this when I think of that whole discussion of institutional racism. What is it? What does it mean? Here's what it means to me. As a kid who grew up in a not you want, some, you want some mood music behind this? As you, I, I think that would be nice. Putting plenty of accordion or what something. Racial inst- what institutional racialism means to me by Phil Gordon. Phil. Well, here's one quick example for those that are saying, I just, I don't know what it means, right? Is it, yeah. is oh, it I don't like, know. I don't know. Is it like Cosby being portrayed as, you know, the America's dad and then he wasn't that at all? And was that, you know, was he treated differently because he was black? Uh, here's how I look at institutional racism. Public schools in Arizona. Growing up uh, in not too affluent of a family, certainly not destitute, but no money, for example, to consider like private school. That was that was just not in middle class uh, upbringing. Middle class upbringing. And I always thought to myself, well, you know. Because you have these thoughts when you're little, like, oh, everybody seems to have more money than us. You know, we didn't have a car, for example. Yeah, when I was little, I wondered about that. Yeah, yeah. when I was little. Yeah. And I was, and I always thought to myself, even in my own primitive, you know, adolescent way, well, you know what? The great equalizer is everybody goes to the same public schools. At least you're entitled to the same education. Yeah. Uh-huh. And how that has morphed. Uh, over the years, now you can criticize the back then, but I think there was that sort of feeling, that sort of <clears throat> approach to public education, that it was the job of the states, you know, that was clear from the mm-hmm. Constitution, yep. and that the states had this obligation to do it. Now you could question, of course, were the schools treated equally, right, uh, in terms of budget and that. And then you get these encroachments. You start funding public schools based on property taxes. Yep, 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 yep. So what happens, right? There's more money for schools where there's property that's worth more. Yep. So that seemed very unfair to me. But now it's taken, Dave, like what they call positive feedback, right? Where it's gone completely off the charts in states like our own Arizona, where this legislature, and I'll say Republican legislature, passed a law here in Arizona, and maybe you're aware of this, maybe you're not, that people who send their kids to private school or homeschool can deduct money that would have been paid for their student to go to public schools. So not only, and I always, by the way, and I want to make this clear, I clearly support one's right to send your child to a private school. If you're willing to pay for it, but I never saw that as an option. Well, in Arizona, it's now an option, and not only does that money go to people who you could argue maybe necessarily don't need it, but it comes out of the public school funds. That, to me, is an explanation of institutional racism. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. Yeah. There you go. I, well, got, I got nothing else. Well, I mean, you know, there's. I was watching, you know, uh, since I spend about 23 hours a day watching TV now, and I was watching the talk or the view or the reel or one of those things where the four or five women, you know, sit around and and they don't have any qualifications for anything or any knowledge of anything, but they just like to talk. And one of them, because they always try to have applause lines. You know, yeah. So one of them says, uh, well, you know what? I want to know why in this country being a racist isn't against the law. And everybody clapped, and you know how they how they stick their hands out so their clapping is more intense. You know. Yes. Oh yes, racism should be against the law. Of course, that's you know you can't do that. You can't say, oh, you're a racist, going to jail. It's it's the laws that we make about what you can do. Right. Regarding hate speech, regarding uh, restricting people from using or being, you know, that's how we have. Uh, but the the other thing about you know I don't know. Institutional racism, the way that I think of it, it's just like it's just the little tiny microaggressions that people of color, particularly black people, put up with all of the time. Being considered suspicious when they're in a store, being pulled over. I don't even want to get into being beaten and killed by cops, but there's always a different look at black people, and that's institutional because since you know, since we freed the slaves. We're terrified of black people because <laughs> why shouldn't we be? We did a horrible, horrible thing to them, and I and I think uh, I, I 
don't consider myself a racist in any way, but I notice when I am in the presence of a black person, it is now in there that there is, and I think it's because of the coverage and the way black people have been presented. I don't know what yeah. you do about that. I don't do about that. I don't. But from a uh, from our limited perspective, Dave, as uh, uh, experts on everything under the sun. Oh yeah. Okay. Who who uh, comment on a variety of subjects. I'll, I'll bring it full circle as we wrap up here, Dave, uh, with the kind of message uh, I think is there in the Killing is Easy documentary about Patrice O'Neill. And his, uh, his philosophy was be truthful. If it's truthful, then it's not wrong. And there was a lot to Patrice O'Neill. He was very funny. He was who he was. You know, I, you know did he make comments that were sexist? He did. Did he make comments that were, you know, racist uh, or about racism? He sure did. Absolutely, yeah. But he felt he was he well, was telling the I truth. In the short time we have here, I just want to say that uh, if Patrice were here today uh, and doing the material that he was doing and saying, but it's truthful, that doesn't wash. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean anything mm -hmm. uh, today. I, I have a joke, which I will no longer do, uh, where I would... <laughs> 20-second joke uh, where I would say I'm very happy about the strides we've made in comedy, that there's no longer as much ethnic humor, making fun of racial stereotypes. It's a much more positive approach to dealing with people of different backgrounds and cultures. And uh, me, Reiki. <laughs> now, I don't think I could do that joke anymore, but the joke, I'm, you know, is I'm oblivious to what I'm talking about. That's me, and the joke's on me. And also the fact that a lot of times, like, uh, discrimination against Asians is kind of like, oh, that's not a problem. Black people, Mexican people are a problem, but Asians, they're, they're part of us, they're okay. They keep their mouths shut, that kind of thing with Asians, and so that's what it is. But you know what? Yeah. It's Patrice, it's me, it's anybody. If you're explaining it, you can't do it. It ain't working. It's got to be. It's gotta well, be. And, and, and ironic, Dave, that you use that example because I just saw a report on this, uh, sorry about that, might have been uh, 60 Minutes or some show like that, how how front and center uh, racism and uh, uh, physical attacks and brutality is occurring to the Asian community and, you know, in these days of the coronavirus. And you don't think the president uh, blaming Asians and Chinese for killing us uh, had anything to do with that, though? That was just a coincidence. No, I exactly do think. <laughs> so let me wrap it up with this thing. Wrap it up. Again, a poignant Patrice O'Neill, who unfortunately is no longer with us, get the but violin out is with us today for this show. I thought he was wearing, in his return special, the, uh, uh, the very uh, funny elephant in the room uh, title and, and show, was wearing a t-shirt that said, Fat Lives Matter. <laughs> and first, as a fat man myself, I, I, I was glad to see it. Finally. But I thought, you know, that sums up Patrice yeah. O'Neill for you, right? He, he's got his finger on racial issues. He's got his finger on sexist issues. But he is who he is <laughs> and funny about it. So, and we fat guys demand reparations, by the way, Phil. Highly and recommend it, by the way. If you get a chance, Netflix. Killing, Killing is, is easy. easy. Okay. You'll hear some great comedy. If you haven't heard Patrice O'Neill or seen him on stage, he's unique. He is unique and a very good performer. And wow, I, I, if I had to say, one of my takeaways from it too was he was just a natural. Like, I don't think there was, like, years of going to open mics yeah. and that for him. Yeah. He Once he showed up at the open mics, people saw what he could do, and he became, like, a headliner, like, immediately. You know who's not fair to compare, but locally, who remind, that reminds me of is uh, Josiah Osego. Josiah Osego, uh, say, Josiah just gets on stage and talks and talks, tells the truth until it's funny. Yeah. And, and uh, I, 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 there's a guy we got to have on. Uh, he has a great manner, a great, great stage guy. presence, yeah, great. Uh, Josiah Osego. Great, great person, too, Josiah. Great, Absolutely. Guy, yeah. Well, glad we got a chance, Dave, to talk about the open mic scene as it exists right you now. You can tell and, our uh, undisclosed location has gotten quite busy this morning. Quite, and, and they, they finally stopped at Horn. Yeah. So we appreciate yep. that. That, by the way, is another inst uh, institutional racism. <laughs> to blow that horn while we try to do a radio show. And uh, Dave, uh, we will uh, continue to uh, update 
the open mic scene. Yep. Uh, we'll be out there one of these days. So. Yeah. Check out the various uh, works we talked about. Uh, I may make, chance. You know, I may make a double bill of uh, Killing is Easy and the Rosamund Pike movie tonight. Oh, you're going to have some fun. Back there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for joining us today on Is This On? For Dave Margolis, this is Phil Gordon. Yo. You're listening to KMKR 99.9 FM, Tucson, Arizona. Thank you and good night. Good night.